Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. Today, my name is Reverend Todd Laddick, and today I'm bringing you uh, part six of a seven-part series entitled Impossible, with today's message specifically entitled God Revealed Among Us, based off of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. So let us dive into the Word today. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warriors and the uniforms blood-stained by war will all be burned, and they will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Amen. The long-awaited Savior comes to us unexpectedly as a baby to reveal God's possibilities in the face of human impossibility. It is very easy to get stuck in a mindset of scarcity. You know what I mean? We work hour after hour, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, sometimes enjoying what we do, other times not. And we are always looking for the day when we can retire, if we can retire. It reminds me of God's curse of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 verses 17 through 9 where God judged the ground where God judged the ground is cursed because of you all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it it will grow thorns and thistles for you though you will eat of its grains by the sweat of your brow by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made for you were made from dust and to dust you will return by our very nature, we seem cursed to see everything through the lens of scarcity. I remember one time when I was considering going to seminary, I could not for the life of me see how I would be able to afford that given I had two younger children, a mortgage, two car payments, and other bills to worry about. It was a real concern for us, and it would have been very easy for me to say, Nah, God, I gotta go out and get a job, any job, just to make ends meet. No time for college. It would have been real easy because up until that point, I hadn't even finished my associate's degree, let alone my bachelor's and then master's. But once I said yes, I quickly came to realize just how much God provides. Prior to that, I couldn't find a job for the life of me, no matter how much I tried. However, once I said yes, boy did God provide abundantly. 
I had acquired so many credits that it only took a couple of sem semesters to finish my AA, my associate's degree, which I finished Phi Theta Kappa at the top of my class, my first time ever being in an honor society at any level. I went to Montclair and finished my bachelor's degree in record time three semesters because of my credits transferred from uh, SCCC. And for, as for seminary, due to our shared ministries and connectionalism in the UMC, I got 100% scholarship, meaning I didn't have to pay for tuition. Plus, I got uh, a, plus I got other scholarships, which helped offset that free ride on the college end. Uh, for the you know on the college's end, and of course, I still had to take out student loans because I didn't have a full-time job. But in that department, I was able to be certified by the Board of Education in Vernon to be a substitute teacher, which helped supplement our income. All these years later, look at me. God has provided. I went from someone on the verge of foreclosure and car repossession to having all that I needed to serve my Lord and Jesus, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This world tries to fill us with fear and dread. It tries to imprison us in a mindset of scarcity and an abundance of nothing. As if God doesn't provide for, for us what we need. The world, which doesn't even acknowledge God, tells us that in order to conquer the darkness, we need to be superheroes. We need to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps, work hard, attain the American dream of prosperity and the good life, a dream all too unattainable for most of us. Yet our scripture passage in Isaiah today paints a totally different reality. First, let's consider what the context of our passage is in Isaiah. Here, the prophet is addressing what is going on in his own time and place. And this prophetic hymn was most likely composed in 732 BC, a couple years following the Syro Ephraimitic uh, War, and that was described in 2 Kings uh, chapter 16, verses 5 through 9, as follows. Then King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of Israel came up to attack Jerusalem. They besieged Ahaz, but could not conquer him. At that time, the king of Edom recovered the town of Eloth for Edom. He drove out the people of Judah and sent the Edomites to live there as they do to this day. King Ahaz sent messengers to King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria with, his mess with this message. I am your servant and vassal. Come up and rescue me from the attacking armies of Aram and, and Israel. Then Ahaz took the silver and gold from the temple of the Lord and the, and the palace treasury and sent it as a payment to the, to the Assyrian king. So the king of Assyria attacked the Aramean capital of Damascus and led its popula population away as captives, resettling them in Kur. He also killed King Rezin. As you can see, that war was won for King Ahaz of Judah through an alliance with Assyria, who were enemies of both the kingdoms of Israel and Aram. Um, remember that Israel and Judah were no longer united together at this point. Following the death of King Solomon, his sons feuded over who should be the king of the United Kingdom of Israel, and that feud led to the permanent separation of the United Kingdom into the Kingdom of Israel in the north and the Kingdom of Judah in the south. Bitter rivalries 
constantly at war with each other. This particular hymn, though, is not referring to the war, obviously. The war was won and over. This hymn, written two or so years later, was celebrating the birth of a new crown prince sometime after 732. A crown prince to probably none other than Ahaz, king of Judah. The sign of God's deliverance, the birth of a new descendant of David, the people of Judah had been delivered from the jaws of defeat and death because of King Ahaz's swift actions in allying Judah with Assyria. And now, a child is born who will continue on David's line, a line of which Ahaz is a part of, which shall not end. The titles, well, they were titles fit for the future king. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These are names that we, of course, associate with Jesus, and rightfully so. However, kings were also given these titles. After all, the king was considered to be the adopted son of God, and God's authority rested upon him. Yet, what Isaiah didn't know, which is typical of any prophet, was the cosmic and eternal meaning of this hymn that he was writing. Isaiah had no way of knowing that God would, sh would be showing up literally in the form of a baby, of the line of David or not. <laughs> Born in David's hometown of Bethlehem nearly 732 years later. There's no way Isaiah knew that. And this, of course, is biblical. The prophets are writing about their own times, but God speaks through them for all time. Listen to Peter explain this in 2 Peter verses 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. In other words, the prophets were inspired to write due to their own circumstances, but they were inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit, and thus, despite their own understanding, their words speak for God to all people. That's how prophecy works. It's not up to the person, it's God doing it. So while Isaiah was writing a celebratory hymn of God's promise being fulfilled in the birth of a crown prince, God, through Isaiah's words, was preparing the world for the birth of himself of God's self in Jesus Christ through a virgin woman named Mary in Bethlehem in a stable. I mean, wow! Is that not powerful? And Jesus Christ, our Lord and God, is, the true, is truly the wonderful counselor, mighty God, literally, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And as such, the people who have walked in darkness, you, me, and the whole world throughout history, past, present, and future, we have seen a great light. To those of us who have lived in a land of deep darkness, a, shining, a light is shining and it cannot be extinguished. Good Christian friends, rejoice! Our God has been revealed among us. You who believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you who study his word and follow him, you know you have been given an invaluable, impossible gift, the gift of God's abiding love and presence among you and within you, 
through Jesus Christ and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. How does this knowledge transform you on this Christmas Sunday? How will you draw even closer to Christ this year? How will you guard yourself against the darkness of this world with the light of Christ? Perhaps you will study more scripture, study, study it more often, not just alone, but in a small group's context. Perhaps you will grow your prayer life to be even more integral and dynamic than it has been. Perhaps you will step up and lead something God has been calling you to step out in faith on. As a congregation, we are being called to see the revelation of God's possibilities in the face of our own human impossibilities. God is calling us to put our trust in Him, in Jesus Christ, and to say yes to the mission and the ministry ahead of us. Will we focus on all the things we don't have? Will we be consumed by the darkness of a worldly economy of scarcity? Or will we embrace the Christmas message, not just today, but every day, put our trust in Jesus, in God revealed among us, knowing that with God, we belong to an economy of abundance, and that in the light, the darkness cannot, cannot survive. If your answer is yes to God, then let's get going in the new year. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we just thank you and praise you for this hopeful, inspiring, warm, and inclusive message that challenges us to step out in faith and put our trust in you. You, Lord, have been revealed among us, and if you are with us, who stands against us? Help us to be your servants and to respond in faith to you rather than fear of this world. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, again, Merry Christmas. Uh, it is always exciting when we get to celebrate the birth of our Lord, the true birth of our Lord. Remember, Christmas Eve is the night before Jesus was born. Christmas Day is the day Jesus was born. And so we get to celebrate Jesus' birth on his actual birthday in church. And I think that is a beautiful thing. So I hope that you got something out of this message. I hope that your your time with your family and the celebration of, of the Christ child being born and God being among us uh, is as wonderful and uh, festive as it can be. But remember, friends, you have been richly blessed, so be a blessing to others. Go in peace.